is an exciting day because Jules and I have our first guest on the podcast, and we are excited to welcome Kim Perone to the podcast. And Kim is a, a, a goddess of a woman. I will say <laughs> that that is my <laughs> that is my my first and last impression of Kim. And I have learned so much about her in between these years that I have known her. And I have looked up to her as a competitor and just as an independent woman for many, many years. And uh, Kim is, has been a client of Jules. So Jules and her have a slightly different relationship. But I was able to meet Kim at posing clinics and workshops. Yeah. And we are so excited to have Kim on. Um, and I would love to introduce uh, Jules and how she and Kim know each other. So uh, Jules, hi, what, what do you have to say? Hi, everybody. And hi, Al. And welcome, Kim. As Al just said, we are so excited to have you here. And one of the reasons that we have, um, well, we, we, we asked you to come here because so many people do listen to our podcast from all different um, fitness approaches, people who are just interested in fitness as well as competitors. And you've lived it all in all different ways. <laughs> so I, when we were thinking about who would be a great spotlight to share her story and her personal journey, as well as working with us, because we, you know, I know Kim, um, have had the pleasure of knowing Kim since 2000, well, 15. probably before, 2015, probably before. And that's when I signed up as a client, but I right. met you before that. Yeah, I, yes, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I had seen Kim as a judge um, on stage and mm -hmm. before we worked together. And then one day I was holding a posing clinic with one of the federations and she walked in. And as I said, you know, Kim is um, bigger than life in stature. You know, just she's a tall woman. And if you know me, I'm really, really tiny. So, you know, you can't help but notice her, but also um, her confidence. And, and she'll share a little bit about that, I'm sure. But yeah. I, I really um, I'm just so excited to have you here. And hopefully uh, if the listeners out there will, I'm sure, identify with aspects of your story with themselves one, one way or another, which is one of the things we love about being able to share this. So without much more ado, um, Kim, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more, but you know. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you both so much for inviting me to participate. It's, um, it was, uh, I felt very flattered when I got your invitation. Um, because I've never really thought of some of myself as somebody, you know, in the fitness world that, you know, might have something to offer others. I've been the recipient of so much advice and mentorship, um, you know, within team best fit body from Jules, even from Elle, I learned so much from Elle and following her through the years um, that it's just really, uh, it's humbling to be invited to participate in the part podcast. And I'm excited to connect with your listeners. Um, so a little bit about me, gee, um, I don't, I'm not even really sure where to start other than to say that, uh, you know, being a member of Team Best Fit Body has totally changed my life um, in so many amazing ways. But um, I, I guess I'll start a little bit with my fitness journey, because that's really what we're here to talk about. And 
Um, I'll just say that, you know, it was back in about 2008, 2009. Um, I found myself just really unhappy with my uh, physical appearance, with my body. I had packed on about 40 or 50 pounds after losing that same amount of weight, more or less through um, Weight Watchers program earlier on in my life in like 2004, 2005 era, I think I lost about 30 or 40 pounds through Weight Watchers. And by the time 2008 rolled around, I had put it back on. And that's probably a story a lot of women are familiar with that yo-yo dieting and kind of being faithful to a program, losing the weight and then going into maintenance and kind of putting all that weight back on and maybe even more. Um, but for me, it really scared the living daylights out of me because um, my mom was did that dance. She did that yo-yo dieting dance for so many years. And uh, um, when she was in her 50s, unfortunately, she had gotten really big, like excessively big to the point where my sister and I were really concerned about her health. And unfortunately, um, she had either a heart attack or a stroke at one point in time when she was driving in 1999, I was 24 at the time. And she died as a result of her injuries that she sustained in that car accident. Um, and so I was terrified that I was turning into my mother as I started to see the numbers on the scale climb as I felt I was having to buy bigger and bigger clothes. And I was just saw the path that my life was following and something in me said, you need to make a change or you're going to end up like your mom. Um, and I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want to uh, be unable to climb stairs or be afraid of walking, you know, from the end, the back of the parking lot up to a store or think about my inability to walk around a city. Um, so I, I started to make a life change and I met a trainer at my gym who, um, you know, started to give me some nutrition programs and so on and so forth. But the best thing that he did for me is he said, I would really like for you to set a fitness goal, like something that you're working towards. It's not just about dieting and nutrition and going to the gym and, you know, working out with me all the time. I want you to identify an accomplishment for yourself. And I put a lot of thought into it. And, um, you know, I'm a former dancer. I love being up on stage. I love putting on the hair and the makeup and getting dressed up. And my sister had done a fitness competition actually through another organization that you had been involved with, Jules, and knew of you. And she, you know, said, well, why don't you try a, a, a show? And I thought, well, geez, I, I saw what she went through in, in preparing for that. But I thought, oh, gee, I don't know if I could do that dieting and and all of that. And she said, it doesn't need to be that way. You could, you know, you could do it in a healthier way. Um, and so I said, okay, why the heck not? So I went through this process and I ended up losing the weight in a very healthy way, but I did it all on my own with some, a supportive a trainer at the gym. And um, I had no idea what I was doing when I got up on stage. It was a <laughs> show. I'm pretty sure Jules was the judge at that one. And I didn't know how to pose and I didn't know how to present myself or anything like that. And I didn't place that. But you know what? I lost the weight and I got up on stage in a sparkly bikini and I felt great about it. But I got addicted to that feeling of the competitions. And um, I thought, well, if I ever do this again, I just really need to know what I'm doing. So um, fast forward a couple of years, that's, uh, I had met Jules, I'd seen her on judging panels, and I had gone to a posing clinic at one point in time. 
and gotten some really great feedback from her. I felt like we connected. So that's when I reached out and I said, if I'm going to do this again, I want to be prepared this time. And that's the lady I want to prepare me. So I remember reaching out to Jules. I said, I don't know if you remember me, but we met at a posing clinic a little while ago. And you said, you know, the way I was walking across the stage said to you, that's a girl I want to meet and have coffee with. And I was like, I want to meet and have coffee with you. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So that's how I joined Team Best Fit Body. And that's kind of started my journey in the, in the competition world. And also I would say is kind of my foundation, my why as to why health and fitness have over time become increasingly more important in my life. It's really about long-term longevity and health and being able to have a high quality of life as I progress um, through life. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that, very profound. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And you really hit on a, a lot of different aspects in that, in that story about why fitness has evolved for you. You know, it, mm -hmm. it really was about the health and you did see you know, your mom go through those struggles and you saw, okay, I don't know if this is the future that I want for myself. And so right. you did make a change. And then you said, okay, well, I'm starting to make this change, but I need an end goal. I need, mm -hmm. or at least a short-term goal. I need, I need a why. And so it, it really is about what makes you start and then what keeps you around. Yes. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely. someone that I, I look to who throughout the years, you've always made fitness a priority. And I'm sure that you can talk about experiences where maybe fitness hasn't been a priority because you've had to make that shift. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And so do, do you have an experience about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, you know, I, I worked with you all and Jules and I made so much progress and accomplished so much in my competition days. And then I got into a point in my life where, and actually it was really through the confidence that I gained through Team Best Fit Body. And I realized that there were other aspects of my life that um, I was avoiding that were not contributing to my overall health, happiness, and well-being, and, and really my emotional health. And I realized that I'm strong enough to tackle those areas as well. It's not just about, you know, how much can you deadlift? It's like, do you have the mental and emotional capacity to, you know, look at the big picture and think about what is holding me back? What is, where am I feeling pain in my everyday life? It's not just the physical pain, it's the emotional pain. Um, and I realized, you know, I was in a relationship that just wasn't healthy for me. Um, for a lot of reasons. And I had to, you know, take some time to actually prioritize that. And that doesn't mean my health and fitness goals, you know, stopped um, being important in my life. They just, you know, took slight backseat. I had mastered some skills and strategies and learned so much that it became an everyday part of my routine. And I could actually shift my focus and my attention um, to dealing, you know, with, um, you know, a relationship that just wasn't working out for me. And so I had, I was able to have the confidence to step up and, and address that situation and make the changes that I needed to make. And that led to a whole bunch of other great changes in my life, you know, simultaneously, I had been working for a company for about 10 years, and the owner of the company said, hey, I'm ready to take a step back, you know, would you consider buying the company from me? And um, so I was able to do that. And that really took a lot of time and attention. 
Um, I built a house, like a whole bunch of other things going on in my life. And um, I was able to stay consistent with my health and fitness, but definitely it took a, a little bit of a backseat and my attention toward competing and some other things kind of uh, became less important as, you know, advancing other aspects of my life. So it's really been this, um, and I, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm like trying to find that balance point because I'm in a maintenance phase again. Um, and I'm just really trying to figure out like, you know, where does everything fit in? And how do you um, prioritize all of these things that are important, but not let one aspect of your life dominate or overshadow the other? So it's, a, it's really an ongoing uh, work in progress, you know, but that's the point. It's always a work in progress, right? You're always it, working toward it. It is. Actually, actually, um, that's, that's a great perspective, a great overview that I do encourage people, whether you know, you are a competitor or a fitness, you know, lifestyle person who is looking at it. And it can be from anything, just making sure you get some activity three or four times a week, or, you know, yep. maybe not sitting on the couch and eating chips at night, you know, those small little things versus a competitor who is micromanaging every aspect of their health and fitness, their nutrition and their fitness. And you've gone through all those different phases. And so when, you know, you can step back and, you know, you're not in the thick of those intense moments. So going, let's go back a little bit, Kim, and talk about those early years when we worked together, um, because I think it's helpful for people to get a perspective of sort of what happens for a person as they go through a, um, a competition, lifestyle while, mm -hmm. yeah while they're also you know trying to juggle working for a busy company you know a career woman and, and yeah. we were just chatting a few minutes before we started recording about um kim's job used to have her traveling all the time all the time all, all the time. time and so when people say well you know i have to travel for work i can't pay attention to my health and fitness well you know, and so Kim, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but let's yeah. go back and, and do a little trip down memory lane from 2015 when Kim first started and um, she did those bikini competitions. And when I saw her, I was like, no way this woman. Yeah, you're like, I'm editor. so glad you called me. You're not a bikini girl. <laughs> you are not a bikini girl. And not from her elegance and her beauty and all that, but because of her physical where her muscles were and her structure. And I, as a coach and a trainer, you know, I look at that perspective because here's this person, this woman, a client who has a dream of competing and every client has a dream of winning. You know, I'm sorry, yeah. it is the dream of winning, even though it is a process and we say you can't win everything, but that is the goal. That is what you're going for. So we do want to look at this individual who comes to us as coaches and say, how can I help this person achieve their dreams or help them realize maybe what they're looking at isn't necessarily gonna get them their dreams. So we sometimes have to shift, shift paths. So we spent a couple of years pursuing figure because Kim's um, degree of muscularity um, and, and the quality of her, her body, um, it was beautiful for figure, but we had some struggles there, right, Kim? Yeah, absolutely. And I still, it's the ever elusive pro card and figure. I still haven't gotten it. <laughs> but, you know, Which, the best. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, which is something that you could absolutely achieve. Well, let's put yeah. it out there that if you, so, so the fig, although the figure pro card hasn't been won, the fit body pro card has been won. And, yeah. and that's what we really want to talk about. So, so can you uh, describe a little bit mentally your transition from bikini to figure and then figure to fit body? I know for bikini, you said it, this, you know, I want to, I want to do this again, but like, and Jules was like, bikini's not for you. So was that easy for you to be like, cool, it's out? Yeah, or- absolutely. Because the reason, okay. the whole reason that I sought Jules out was because I realized I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing in the competition world at all. It was like, I didn't understand, I really didn't even understand the different divisions. I didn't understand the different federations. Um, and I, I just didn't even know what the right entry point was. So I remember actually, I went to the first team best fit body, uh, camp you guys had, yeah. and it was shortly after I had joined, I think I joined in January and the camp was, you know, the beginning part February. of February and you Super guys Bowl did weekend, a- typically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, and you guys did a workshop during that camp, which, you know, outlined the differences in the different divisions and what each one entailed. Um, And then shortly after that, like within 15 or 20 minutes, we each had individual meetings, I think with either you or Jules or coach Karen um, to talk about where we might fit in. And Jules immediately said, you are not a bikini girl. You are a figure girl. And that's where we're going to start. And so she had in her mind, like what the trajectory would be. She was like, right off the bat, it's not going to take you six weeks to get there. It's going to take you a lot longer, but you're going to get there. Um, and so that began the journey and we started training for figure. And I, I went to you guys because I knew you knew, and I didn't know, right. I was seeking out the expertise and the wisdom and the ex- experience and all that, that I knew I didn't have. So I immediately trusted Jules to, to go with the figure. And I was pretty successful with figure, even though I haven't gotten my pro card there yet. And it's always a matter of like, do the stars align who shows up on any given day and you know, what your condition is compared to theirs and you know, what the posing looks like and who the judges on the panel are and all of those things. But I've done fairly well in figure and have, I, I can't even count how many top five placings in that category. So, right. And that was, it was, it was at least a season of multiple shows of, of very close in that figure, in that figure. Oh, so many, so many second place finishes. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember, I do remember very vividly when, when all this was going on, because, um, and going back to what I said, when we first, when I first introduced you about the posing, I do think I, I do remember that, uh, because I think when we did the posing on that Sunday of camp or whether it was the same day that you did the, um, mm-hmm. the personal, the one-on-ones, mm-hmm. I think you were already starting practicing that figure posing that, mm-hmm. that weekend. Um, and you were, you really jumped on into it and all of the, you came to almost every posing se- uh, session that we did, that we had, um, you got better and better every single week, all the, all the women that were there, including myself and Jules, we were always amazed at your physique week to week. Um, because we could tell we'd show up for those fitness challenges and we could tell, Oh, Kim worked hard this week because your physique Mm -hmm. would be, you know, your physique would be changing every single week. Um, but yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, about figure and about some of those, 
those experiences placing close to that first place, where did that leave your mindset? Was there, was there a point in time or maybe little flicks of emotion where it was like, is this even worth it? I'm so close. Or did you know the whole time, I don't care how long it takes. I'm just going to keep going. Oh, I didn't know. And I, um, there was definitely moments of doubt and certainly envy, you know, as I was seeing some of my teammates do really, really well, like just kind of and go in their first competition, boom, you know? <laughs> or second competition, you know, they'd end up with their pro cards and I'd be like, why does this keep happening to me? You know, I felt like always the bridesmaid, mm-hmm. never the bride at the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, you have to trust the process and know that, one of the things I love about the bodybuilding world is there's this constant refrain of it's not about you against everyone else. It's about you against yourself. And are you bringing your best package to the stage every time you can? And, and if you can answer yes to that question, then you should feel great about what you're doing. And never mind, forget about comparing yourself to the other competitors on the stage or you know the general population. You just have to feel really good about the commitment that you made, you followed through, all the hard work that you put in. And that in and of itself is a huge accomplishment. So I just kept going back to those refrains. And I think the other thing that I wanted to mention is the community helped me so much. The team helped me so much. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about Team Best Fit, Best Fit Body is the community that you have all built. I had teammates, you know, who would see, you know, what I was going through. And even though I wasn't necessarily emoting about it, they knew how I was feeling. And they would come up to me and say, you know, one day the stars are going to align for you. It is going to happen for you. You just need to keep going. Um, and that meant so much to me because I just felt surrounded by support. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel like, oh, well, you know, you only placed third at this competition. Well, you know, not good enough. I always felt like everybody there had my back and we were in it together. Um, so that's just been a really important aspect for me. Like the community. I wish we could get together. I can't wait till COVID is over and we can have those (laughs) posing clinics again and do our fitness challenges and everything because it's such an important part of the experience. So, um, you know, thank goodness for podcasts and Facebook groups and things like that, what we can have, but um, so important. Yes. No. Yeah. But it's no, I, and, and I think that's it. That is one of the hardest things, um, about this sport as well, because it is such an individual sport. And that's why many people do seek out that kind of team concept. And it is because you're doing what you love to do. And there's Mm -hmm. all these other people out there doing what they love to do, but it can feel very lonely and and to not have that that connection. Um, I do wanna go back a little bit um, to talk uh, uh, about Kim. I'm going to talk about you um, because I, as a judge, you know, as a, as a, I didn't judge um, a lot once our team really started to compete in a lot of the, I was just too busy to judge. And also as a coach with clients up on stage, I, I pulled myself off of judging panels, but I, I had so many judges comment to me about your presentation. And that I felt was um, number one, very, you know, complimentary as for the team, because I felt Mm -hmm. you had put so much study into it and you brought your own personality, but the finesse of that practice and that representation. Um, But when we decided to go ahead and try 
fit body it was a little bit of a fluke that I and sometimes mm -hmm. I go through this when I'm watching a, a competitor when we're working on something and I'll say you know hey let's go ahead and try something and then all of a sudden it's like a light bulb moment and yeah, it's kind exactly of gone on us both and like well let's do this let's go ahead and let's just try it fit body for those listeners who are not um a, not familiar with that it is a category that is um very unique to the WNBF um and it is basically uh, bodybuilding or physique, women's physique posing, but in heels. So there is a presentation that showcases um, symmetry, muscularity, conditioning in, in a bodybuilding posing, but with the elegance. And so it was a natural fit, really. And if anything, if I have any regret, hit myself on the head that I didn't think of it a few months earlier, <laughs> but posing for fit body is very intense. And so um, knowing that Kim could rise to the occasion of that focus and that study of the detail, um, it is a very exclusive group to have a fit body pro card way more than a figure. <laughs> so you kind of jumped over that <laughs> and you can, you know, Maybe someday go back and get that figure pro card if it so inclines, but it's not anything to, you know, to, to have any regrets. No, I am so proud and so happy with the fit body card. I love fit body. It's actually like the perfect fit for me because of, you know, I do carry a lot of muscle. I, you know, have the benefit of putting on muscle um, more easily maybe than some women, not to say I don't work for it, but I know that there are a lot of women who have to really struggle for it. And my body just seems to pack it up. <laughs> um, so it was a good fit for me because, you know, I am more muscular. And what we found with the fit body was once I like kind of got confident enough to try some of those poses, which I felt a little bit shy about doing at first, we found that the fit body posing was a great fit, quote unquote fit for me, because it showcased some aspects of my physique that the traditional limited posing of figure didn't give me the opportunity to do. Exactly. So if you just have your, you know, front side back poses in figure in fit body, there are five other mandatory poses that you get a chance to do and really showcase aspects of your physique and have that opportunity to show that you don't necessarily get in figure. So I was like, Ooh, bonus. I get to do exactly. a little bit more here, you know? <laughs> and like Jules said, you're doing all these bodybuilding poses, but you're wearing like heels and, you know, you've got the whole glam on. And even though the beauty component is, isn't technically part of the judging, you know, like, let's face it, you know, the, your presentation and how you, you know, the, the vibe that you give off on stage, you know, the beauty aspect of it, it calls the judge's attention to you. Um, so you can definitely utilize those aspects, even though they're not technically part of the scoring criteria, you can utilize those aspects to your advantage. And I, I did my best <laughs> to take every advantage I could. And when I went to the Monster Mash and I won my pro card in Fit Body. Yeah, that, I think that was in 2016. And then I decided to stay and immediately compete in the, the pro show the following day. And I actually came in second to the, to the WNBF Fit Body Champion, World Champion that same day. And I was like, boom, boom. It was like, you know, jab, uppercut, you know, like 
your pro debut coming in strong yeah 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 it was you know I was like wow this is the best day ever it just all came together so sorry to interrupt you Elle but I just wanted to no and that 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 is that is perfect and I'm glad that you brought that aspect up that 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 was the way that it went because that is one cool thing about the way that the uh, WMBF monster mash works or the IMBF Mm -hmm. monster mash uh they do a show weekend and Saturdays is the uh, amateurs. And if you win your pro card, you can immediately compete the next day. So right. yeah. that's a really cool experience. And that was that your, your final um, show for fit body or did you continue with fit body another year after that? Or did you do worlds? I did worlds that same year. Okay. And then, yeah, I competed the following year um, and the following year after that too. So I okay. took last year, yeah, last year, well, technically this past year off um, is like a planned off year, but yeah, I've done a couple of pro shows since then. Make Kim kind of blush, but I said Kim was actually a coach's dream because <laughs> not that, not that she, you know, came in with like, the best physique and it was like the thing we you know it was like boom i'm gonna take her she's like boom here we're just gonna put her on stage and boom no we had a lot of work to do with kim but yeah kim we did always said hey coach tell me what i need to do and i would tell her and and it was never a negotiation it was it was okay i'm gonna do it and then next week she report to me what happened and matter of factly what didn't there were there there were emotional discussions but there were it never interfered with the task that we had laid out for her to do. And there were times where she couldn't do it, but it was not, um, she didn't take it upon herself and rip herself apart. Maybe internally she did, but she didn't with me. And and so, but she stepped up to the plate. And, you know, when things were a struggle, you know, I could sense it because Kim always would tell me factually what was going on. And so that I could look at that empirical information and make my plans. So it, it worked beautifully. And like I said, not, it was not completely smooth, but Kim, share with the listeners some of the things that you found to be the big challenges as a woman who's career woman, traveling a lot, working yeah. through a tough relationship at the same time. Um, all the stuff that you felt you had to manage, and I don't know if you have any recommendations, suggestions, but I'll let you. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm glad, you know, you guys mentioned the travel again, because I didn't get a chance to touch on that earlier. But all of that was going on while I was intensely training um, to compete over those years. It was just, you know, every two to three weeks, I was on a plane flying across the country. And I'm not talking about like flying from Boston, to New York which did happen. I, I often did that. Um, but I was flying like from Boston to LA. I was flying from Boston to Minneapolis. I was flying from Boston to New Orleans, to Baton Rouge, um, all over the country. And, uh, I was able during all those times to always get my workouts in to eat according to plan um, and, you know, to think about all the other things, the aspects that I needed to do, whether it was registering for a show or making sure I had my tanning and makeup appointments set and all of those, um, auxiliary things that you need to do when you're planning to participate in a show. And by the way, I traveled for shows. Like we didn't even talk about that, but I competed in Seattle. I've competed, 
um, in Georgia. I've competed all over the country with the WNLA, um, with the WNBF and INBF. So I've had an opportunity to do that as well. And I think the biggest takeaway that I learned and what I would offer everyone else is it's really about um, keeping your head down and your elbows up, just getting the work done, trust your coach, keep it simple right? Don't make it more complicated than it is. You can accomplish your nutrition plan through simplicity. And, um, you know, just don't get in your head about it. Make a plan and stick to it and, and go on autopilot. So that's exactly what I did, particularly as it got really intense, you know, with meal prep, I wasn't making crazy recipes. I wasn't doing like all sorts of baking with protein powders and all of that. No, I was preparing my proteins, preparing my sweet potatoes and my brown rice, steaming my vegetables. And I had containers of them not mixed together, but separately in the refrigerator. And anytime I needed to eat, I would dole them out. If I needed to go on a trip, I would I actually created a guide. I remember it was called um, something did. about like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Tr travel guidance for the team best fit body ro road warrior. And it was all about like how to eat healthy on the road, including like if you have to go out to work or to dinner with clients and things like that, how to navigate those situations where people are going to be ordering crazy local, you know, specialties or like drinking a lot and how to, how to navigate all of that. So basically I just said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm working too hard to let those kinds of experiences derail my success. And you know what I found out? I found out I was actually more productive on my work trips because I was sticking to my plan. I wasn't hungover. I wasn't out all night. I was making sure I was getting my sleep because that was really important for recovery. And honestly, also my mental health to keep myself grounded and keep my emotions in check. Cause there's a lot of metabolic processes happening with your brain and your body when you're training for a show. So the sleep and the recovery was so important. Um, and I was, you know, making sure I was having the stress relief of getting my workouts. in. it was not only actually releasing endorphins, but it was reducing stress because I knew I was staying on plan. I was doing my best. I was doing what I needed to do. So it was all about having your plan, keeping it simple and sticking to it. Um, and actually I found that the training phase for the shows was in some ways, even when I was traveling for work, so much easier than the maintenance phase that I'm in right now, which is partially sometimes why I'm like, maybe I'll compete again, you know, because uh, it's like everything is so laid out and so well-defined for you. All you have to do is execute and you don't need to think about it. Well, um, it, it can often make it so much easier. And Kim, and that's something that I think you bring up a really good point. And, and we've talked about this a little bit it, since Kim is in this maintenance phase and the struggles of it. And it is a little bit of a mental shift for mm -hmm. people who have competed or, and this is something, even if you're thinking about competing and you're worried about that, it is, and as Kim's talking, I was, I was talking about this. I was thinking, this is really an extreme sport, but we went about it with some really good focus of healthy habits. So whereas we push the envelope a little bit, but the baseline is yes. doing everything. And as a result, you feel great. You are able yes. to focus in on, on the things that are our priority. And you're taking away the stress of decision-making because you have a plan. So yeah. in your maintenance, the biggest shift is 
You got to think the same way. It's just that your protocols are just slightly different and you have a little more gray area. So, you know, you can move your workouts a little bit. It's not the end of the world if maybe you have to miss two workouts. Um, So that's something that is important for people all of us to, to think about as, you know, we're going through the, the ups and downs of life and times where we're like super focused on our health and fitness goals to maybe we achieve it. And then you say, what now? Well, it shouldn't really change, but maybe you have a little bit more gray area around it. And it's just more coming to terms with um, the negotiations that we come in our own yeah. brain when the yeah. temptations to deviate come in a little bit more when this was something I was going to ask you about and how maybe it's different now versus it was when you were competing when people when you would go out to a meal with your business associates and they're all ordering the local food and maybe it's beer tasting or wine tasting or some special event that's planned and then you have made that decision because of your personal fitness goals to step away did you ever get anybody who would make comments? And if you did, how would you either internally or externally or both handle that? Um, I did. Yeah. And that was really hard, particularly if you're out with a client and they like take you to like some, you know, this would happen to me in New Orleans all the time because they'd want it. It's such a foodie town and they're so proud of their food there that, you know, they, they would want to take us to the local restaurants and try this etouffee or try this specialty here. And it was like, it was always really, really difficult because you don't want to offend them. And you, you also really don't want to engage in a conversation about it because it's not a debate. It's not a negotiation. This is the decision that I've made for myself. And I have my reasons for that. And then I'm, you know, there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to change my mind about that. So the strategy that I came up with, with things like that is um, I, you know, they would often order dishes for the table. Right. And I would, take a bite of it and say, oh, wow, that's really great. Thanks for sharing that with me. And then literally put the fork down and that would be it. So I would try whatever it was. It wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't going to derail my entire plan. Um, It was a small little taste of something. And then I would put it down and just move on with my life because it's about my life. It's about my goals. It's not about them. Um, And, and that's it. And there's no discussion, you know, um, a lot of people were more curious. They would say, wow, like, particularly if I was, you know, I remember going, I was in, I think Atlanta for something and it was the week before a peak week. And people would say, I was really lean. And people would say, wow, like your arms, like, what is that all about? What are you doing? And they would just, they would get really curious about, you know, my goals, what the shows were, what the bodybuilding world was like. And it was just an opportunity to share a little bit about the lifestyle with them but then you move on, right? You just skillfully learn how to transition the conversation because again, it's not, it's not a discussion where they're going to change your mind or change your, derail your plans. It's just, you know, this is what I'm doing. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that contract or, you know, just really change the conversation because it's not up for negotiation. That's great. That, that was fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And that's an interesting uh, thing in the pers- uh, in the professional world because it's also like, how far do I want to share that I'm up on stage in a, in a bikini? And for some people, they don't want to be sharing that type of thing. So they don't even want to be making it public that it's so nice that for people that are comfortable sharing it, 
Um, but were there ever times where you were like, mm, maybe it's not appropriate for me to share that I'm, I'm a bodybuilder or did you never have to worry about that? Yeah, I actually worried a lot about it because I work in public education and I work with, um, large school districts around the country. You know, some of our clients are like school district of Philadelphia, Denver public schools. Um, I work with state departments of education around the country and, uh, because they're educators, it tends to be a little bit more of a conservative world. Um, so I really thought a lot about it and I'll never forget the time that I was presenting in front of a group of educators, um, educational leaders in South Carolina. And someone came up to me during a break in the presentation and said, I Googled you and I saw you're a bodybuilder and I was shocked and I wasn't really sure how to respond because I knew exactly which picture they had seen. Um, and it was me in a blue sparkly bikini, you know, basically like, you know, out there for all the world to see. Um, and I remember at the time just kind of taking my heart stopped and I took a deep breath and I said, yeah, I do bodybuilding as a hobby and it's a sport that I'm really interested in. I, I actually love it. So if you're ever curious about it, let me know. Um, and I just kind of moved on. Now, fast forward, actually this fall, my company's Twitter got hacked for some reason. And the person who hacked our company's Twitter actually um, tweeted out photos of me bodybuilding on stage. Um, and my director of business management said, Kim, oh my gosh, one of our clients alerted us that there's basically half naked pictures of you out on stage in a bikini, I, I, I was so shocked. I, I didn't know what to do, I deleted them. And I took a moment and I you know, thought to myself like, okay, I obviously have a technology issue or security breach somewhere because someone has our Twitter password. So that my first thought was like, okay, change all the passwords. Somebody, somebody is out there um, behaving badly in an attempt to harm me. But what I actually did is I took to all my social media platforms and I said, uh, for those of you who saw the pictures of me out there on the bodybuilding stage, um, no, those were not intentional tweets, official tweets from schoolworks. Our accounts were hacked. That being said, yes, I'm proud of those pictures. Yes, I'm proud that, you know, this company is led by a woman who is, you know, strong in her role in business and strong in the gym, physically strong and has confidence to get out on stage and show everyone what she's capable of. So, you know, no harm done. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to demonstrate like that, you know, this is actually who I am. And I really embraced it because that is who I am. And it, the fact of the matter is, you know, the confidence that I get from bodybuilding and from being out on stage is the same confidence that allows me to be able to stand up in front of a state board of education and make recommendations regarding their policy regarding you know schools and districts and their operation and whether or not schools should be closed or whether or not they should start new schools that is all of that is interwoven into who I am and so I just really it was really an interesting moment for me it took me a minute to to get there but it was like at first I, my heart stopped and then I was like, no, this is, this is who I am. And I just, you know, said, yep, I'm going to claim it. And I think that's, that is, um, that's very powerful because 
I think one of the most amazing things that my observation from, and one of the reasons I love doing what that what we do as coaches and you know coaching for you know decade plus um, in this sport is that women gain that confidence to handle really all sorts of crazy things that are thrown in their paths to bring them down and. Yeah you know, so that whole self-empowerment is way beyond, you know, stepping up on that stage in that sparkly suit. And I remember when I came home and told my husband for the first time (laughs) that I was going to compete, he said, well, why do you need to get up on stage and be judged? And I said, it isn't that. I said, this is crossing the stage as my finish line to prove to myself that I can handle whatever comes my way in, in, like you say, physically and mentally, because a journey like that, whatever fitness journey or any really big goals, fitness or not, when you can sit there at the end of the day and say, I did that. And, mm-hmm. and it took a lot. And I had to battle these things and make these decisions. Um, it's, it's amazing what we find we are capable of doing. But again, thank you yeah. for sharing that story. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, yeah. out there who have either had something happen to them or they're worried about something happening to them. And in this day and age, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a struggle we have to all think about. I, I really want to thank you for sharing that story because that's exactly right. There are people out there that are concerned and it may not even have to be, have to do with, with bodybuilding. It could be, they're worried about the judgment of other people. And it's just a good message to send that it's like, you really do have to own who you are because you're going to attract the best people, the people that, that you love and that love you, you know, if you are true to yourself and and you're Mm going to kind of attract that tribe that is going to be helpful in your success. And, and also what you said about uh, becoming empowered and, and being able to be confident um, I, I do think that part of the training, part of just becoming that bodybuilder that has built those skills for you to stand up and say, no, I am who I am because I'm strong and I can make these decisions because I already know that when I take control, I can get it done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're 100% right. Elle. But you have all these other life achievements and then other personal achievements that don't even have to do with um, the computing world but other fitness achievements. Um, so, but why don't you start by um, uh, talking a little bit about your role in, in your job and how you got there? Sure. So I run an educational consulting company called Schoolworks, and we work with state departments of education and city school districts, like I've already mentioned, and individual schools doing mostly school improvement work and also school accountability work. Um, and a lot of our role actually involves monitoring how well schools are doing for their kids as measured by student learning outcomes, and then helping to either create policy or make policy recommendations, or sometimes make recommendations about individual schools or districts and how well they're adhering to policy and and the expected outcomes, about whether or not they should continue to have the privilege of educating kids. Um, So that's the work of my company. I personally started as a teacher And then, um, you know, after I was a high school Spanish teacher, actually, for a number of years, and then um, went to Harvard, got my graduate degree in uh, master's in education and became a certified principal. 
and then ended up working for a couple of departments of education and um, doing school accountability work. And that was my trajectory until I entered the consulting world. And so this company named Schoolworks had always been on my radar. I had been a, cl um, a client of Schoolworks for a long time. And um, after my ex-husband and I moved back from New York City and, and went back to Boston, I decided to do consulting first time and they, they hired me to do a lot of consulting work. So I eventually moved from consulting for them to um, actually becoming a full-time employee and very quickly um, was promoted to president of the company. And I ran the company as president um, for about six years before the founder of the company said, okay, I think it's time. I want to go do something else with my life. I've kind of been you know, uh, looking for a successor. And he, unbeknownst to me, had actually been grooming me to take over the company for him. So he'd first given me the role as president. He, I have lots of coaches. I believe in coaching um, in all aspects of our lives. So I had a, he hired a leadership coach for me um, and really helped me understand how to become a leader. And that is to be someone who others want to follow as opposed to telling others what to do. Um, so I really had an opportunity to learn how to embrace the best parts of myself and leverage those um, for my success. And so back in 2018, he said, this is the year, um, you know, let's do the deal and I'll, I'll sell the company to you. So that was an exciting process. And, and we went through that. And now I'm the full owner of this company, which um, has been really exciting for me because I still work in education and I love that positive impact that we have on kids all across the country and their learning and well-being. But um, I don't do the work of education anymore. I have an entire team that works for me. So my joy in the work is really about managing the team and enabling their success. Um, and that's that's what I do every day. That and I, you know, I'm also thinking long term and setting uh, goals for the company and, you know, setting the vision for the company and figuring out how, as a, as a group, we're going to move forward toward those goals. So um, again, it's like all other aspects of life. It's about what's the vision, what's your goal, how are you going to get there? And, you know, who are the people that you're going to bring along to support you along the way <laughs> um, and enable their success as well. So that's really kind of that, that outlook on life as far as it goes to my professional um, work. And it's, and I'm so grateful because it's really allowed me the, the change that I've had to make as a leader. It's, and, you know, I have a lot more time now where I'm not actually doing all that traveling and being on site with the clients or going to schools directly myself. I have people who do that work on our behalf now. It's actually allowed me to pursue other areas, as I mentioned, um, you know, like we built a house and I learned so much through that process. And um, I've definitely had, you know, interests in pursuing and expanding my knowledge of health and fitness and other aspects as well. So I think, you know, I mentioned at one point in time, um, I got my strong first kettlebell instructor certification. I did it. That was another fitness goal. I actually had to train for that because there are like physical strength tests as part of that um, process, not to mention, you know, the actual um, technicalities of it and learning the form and learning how to coach people on the form. So that was exciting for me. And then I also um, wanted to learn more about the nutrition. You know, I was first introduced to macros through Team Best Fit Body, and I've learned so much about like the foundation foods and you know why we eat whole foods, and it's okay to also eat you know the fun foods every now and then, and how to balance that ratio as a competitor and in um, for the general population. But I was really curious more about kind of. Um, 
the science of how it all worked and, and really understanding the coaching aspect of it too. So I got my certification as a level one precision nutrition coach. Um, and I, and it was mostly because uh, I was curious, but also I had a lot of friends asking me and I wanted to feel like I was qualified to give them advice. So, you know, I did it for that reason, but um, I've learned so much. And now I'm thinking, you know, what's next on the horizon? Like, I'm not really sure, but I have some pretty concrete ideas and I will commit to one of them in 2021. So um, but it's just, you know, this idea of constantly learning, evolving, your goals changing. Another thing that I'm thinking about, and Jules knows this, is like for so long, I've eaten so much chicken in my life, grilled chicken and ground chicken and ground turkey breast. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm kind of like curious about how can I get more protein from plant-based sources? Not that I have any interest in becoming a vegan or a vegetarian. That's not what I'm doing, but I am interested in like supplementing my repertoire of protein um, sources. So I've actually started to explore um, just like some cookbooks and things like that and recipes for uh, vegan athletes and, and vegetarian athletes and like, just like, you know, experimenting with that. So I love this idea and this phase that I'm in right now where it's like, you don't have to be stagnant. You don't have to be you know, decide this is the path that I'm on in life and just stick to it. No, it's okay to go along that path and something else catches your attention. And you're like, Oh, I want to learn a little bit more about that and get good at that. And, you know, um, explore that a little bit and it might be for you. It might not be for you, but you give it a try. And that's all, you know, that's what life is about is, um, having those kinds of experiences and learning and growing and being a really dynamic person. So that's what 2021 is all about for me. <laughs> And, and that's really, um, I think that is a big kind of sum up of what keeps you excited and motivated. But also, again, people listening, I may keep referring back to our listeners, but it, this is it probably rings true in everybody that they're always looking for what's next. And when they pick a goal, you know, health and fitness, sometimes it it, it's, they say it because it sounds like it's okay, but it doesn't really ring resonance with them. And so mm -hmm. I, I always try to figure out what it is that is going to really excite you. And it can be something as um, exciting as exploring, eating a slightly different style, um, yeah. still hitting your baseline nutrient needs, but experiment, you know, with, with, uh, you know, non animal based proteins. And this is very, um, very uh, on point, I guess, because with uh, paying attention to sort of sustainability of the mm -hmm. food system and, and things, you know, I think it's very appropriate for people to, to think about these things, but whether it is a competition that excites you, but maybe it doesn't excite you, maybe just getting in the gym and learning a new skill or, you know, those are all those things that keep us moving forward and figuring out like, how can I just enhance my, my life? Um, yeah, you know, so I think that's, that's great. And, and Kim knows we are always talking about goals. I feel like goals are my like third word that I say. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, I know. I mean, to the point where I love the last thing that you ask on every check-in is what's one small thing that you're going to do differently next week. And I love how you phrase that one small thing. It's a goal for me and I really focus on it. And I think at one point, maybe a week or two ago, I said, I need to have like better breakfast, right? And so I have like these little micro goals, like really do advance your progress. And it's made such a difference for me because like my whole mindset has changed. It's um, and if little you, things. 
Yeah, yeah, it's so true. You know, by the way, that reminds me, um, I meant to mention this at one point in time. If any of your listeners haven't read the book, Atomic Habits, I don't know if you guys have read it. It's so, so helpful. It's all about basically changing your, um, your, you know, basically achieving your goals through making small, small baby steps. Um, You know, for example, say you're someone who is not a gym goer or is not an exerciser, but you know, you want to incorporate more activity into your daily life. What do you need to do to set yourself up for success for that? And so maybe it's like the night before you say, well, I'm going to put my sneakers and my workout clothes in my bag so that tomorrow when I leave the house, I carry the bag with me. And that's one step to enable my success. And then, you know, you go running your errands, you're going to the the grocery store and you're like, okay, I've got my gym bag with me. I'm all ready to go to the gym. I can, now I just need to drive there, right? It's like those small little routines and stacking habits on top of each other that eventually the habits become routine and the, and, and you're, you're achieving your goals. And so whenever you ask me that question, Jules, at the end of the check-in, you know, what's one small thing you're going to do differently next week. It's like your version for me, it's your version of habit stacking. It's like, what's that one small thing I'm going to do. That's going to set me up for success. And it's funny, Kim, that you say that because I re I always look at that and it, in every check-in and if somebody doesn't put anything there, I throw it back at them. So mm-hmm. if you work with me <laughs> and you don't put something there, um, I will ask you because that is so, so important. And, and people often forget about those small things and they think, yeah. oh, I have to go to the gym 10 times, you know, in the next two weeks. It's like, well, no, let's just get to the gym one time. Let's yeah, just get exactly. there, you know, and, and like reduce the things that get in your way for you to get where you not need to go. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Atomic habits. Yeah, there's, out. I, I really like that. You, you said the book was called atomic habits. Mm-hmm. Awesome. There's also one other thing that uh, we wanted to talk to you about um, that we didn't get to in regards to your training. And mm. uh, this is something that I, I'm not sure if you still do it. I'm sure you'll explain a little bit more, but when you began working with Jules in 2015, you had a, t- a, a training team or a, a coach um, that was physically there for with you during your training sessions. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was a member at Equinox and I had a personal trainer at Equinox. And so um, they would help me implement you know, the workouts that Jules would set up for me and trainerize. I, well, I was already working out with them. They were doing my programs in advance and, you know, starting to program my nutrition. And I, I didn't really change and start to follow the um, team best fit body programming until I was in show prep, which, you know, was as soon as I joined, like that was the goal. I joined team best fit body for that. And so when Jules set up my macros and my training plan, I immediately switched over to that. But I had the benefit of working with a personal trainer at the gym before I joined team best fit body and all the way through, uh, for the next several years until, um, I left Boston. And fortunately I couldn't take Equinox or my trainers with me, but, um, I have learned so much about, you know, how to use gym equipment, how, you know, to use proper form, 
um, from both you and them that it's just really been super helpful. And, 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 and it really was wonderful because we were a team. And it yeah. is, when you think about if you're going to take um, the concept of this is a hobby sport, but most competitors treat it as if it's a professional sport and most professional athletes, they have a coach who does the big picture planning and plans all of the details, but the execution then is then handed on to the trainer and the athlete. So, you know, and some people, they're fortunate enough to have people who cook for them or you know, having a trainer, yeah. but I have worked with many, many of our you know clients do have the supportive teams, that doesn't mean you can't do it. But if you do have that trainer that you love in your gym, um, I they often are very happy to work with the coach to yeah. bring their client, you know, to their best, because it is, you know, it, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, she right. made and their the job really easier because she did all the programming. <laughs> all I had to do was show up for the appointment. But you know, I got to give them credit because yeah. they oh, absolutely they would sometimes join like our check-in calls, and so that they knew what Jules was working on and what you know her intentions were. Um, and then the other thing that they did because they would see me on a day-to-day basis, you know, so they would often provide like supplementary coaching and support in terms of my mindset if I was having a down day or feeling discouraged. They were great with that, and then they they were also fantastic with the recovery. So they would say things like, you know, I, I see you look really tired today, or you're not, you know, you're maybe you're not as strong today as you were yesterday. Like let's reschedule your session so that you can have um, a rest day. want to make sure that you're getting, I want you to log your sleep, get me your sleep, you know, all those things they were kind of seeing me and and able to supplement um, the coaching that I was getting from Jules. Yeah. They were, yeah, that's a, yeah. That's so nice. I remember, I I do remember Jules telling me that she had, and I'm not sure, was it Kim, Jules, was it Kim that you said, I have this client that has her trainers and she's, you know, we're doing the nutrition. I, do, I remember Jules was so happy when you switched to doing the written programming with your trainers. Like she had no problem mm-hmm. doing it, you know, working with your trainers, but I do remember her bringing it up because it was a, special situation, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't unmanageable. Um, and sometimes having those extra eyes are, are very beneficial. And also I think that the physical in-person trainers, especially when you're going through a show prep, they put you to a different level than you can yeah. push yourself. There's, there's absolutely no way that a person can go in this, go into the gym with the same energy every day that they, that they would, if they were with a trainer, you know, some days you're a little more tired and, and they may see that take it slow, but it, it's kind of another level when you, when you get to train yeah. with some other Well, people. I miss them. I'm going to tell you like little things, like if I'm bench pressing or if I'm doing dumbbell inclined dumbbell, presses, this is like where am I, you know, and I'm like, the weight feels really heavy or I would say I want to go up, but I'm in, I can't necessarily get all my reps. They can provide that assist. I like, I would feel, I often felt safer squatting heavier because I knew that they were there literally behind me spotting me if I couldn't do it, you know? So um, that was another benefit to talk about pushing harder. (laughs) Right. Well, right. And even getting those, those like, like maybe you're doing split squats and it's like four by 20 each side in your program or something. And 
you're like, oh my God, by the second set, you're, you're getting up to 18 and you're like, I, I really don't want to finish these last two reps. Having that, that person there, that extra, you know, that extra person to say, come on, two more, or like you got three more in you, that type of thing is, you know, and, and that, and, and I'm sure that that type of training has helped you say that to yourself in your own head. Like you don't struggle with it as much. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, and, you know, just getting the reps in, but also the other thing that was notable is like focus. I'll just categorize it as overall focus, right? We go to the gym now and everybody's on their phones between set, they're texting, they're emailing, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, whatever they're doing. And before you know it, you know, five, six minutes have gone by between sets. And so we might, you know, joke and see those memes that say how many reps of texting you got left. Right. But the fact of the matter is you're actually making that training session very inefficient because you're not stressing the muscle tissue in the way you should be like scientifically stressing it in order to maximize your progress in the gym. And so when I would, you know, when I went into training with my trainers, my phone didn't come out, you know, there's no reason for the phone to come out. They're there. They were, they had watches, they were timing my rest periods. I, I, that function in the trainerize app that you guys have, I use it all the time. And I, I literally do not pick up my phone between sets. I plug in what I did, my weight set up and programmed a certain way because that's, you know, you're either, it's either a time under tension or, you know, it's, you know, a strength, you know, maybe you'll have, you're lifting really heavier weight. So you'll have a longer rest period between sets, but that is really important and intentional to meet your specific training goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think, you know, because we hear often, you know, or somebody say, oh, that was such an easy workout. Well, you know, a bicep curl is a bicep curl, but how (laughs) difficult do you make your own bicep curl? And so you, you do have to, if you don't have somebody yelling in your ear, you have to do that internal yelling. And am I really being accountable for that? We say this, especially in, when you're trying to really make changes in your physique, because of exercise, that every rep does count, every set does count, every rest mm-hmm. period does. So if you manipulate it too much, it's the negotiation. I go back to that. How much are we negotiating? We're not negotiating this. This is nope. it. These are my tasks. So. Yep. Right. Yep. Exactly. Right. And and it, it's the difference between training versus working out. You know. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm working out. I'm working out. But training, you're in there. You have intention. You have purpose. And you, you know, you put the phone away, you choose your playlist beforehand, you don't, you know, you try to shut off the distractions. Um, and that's how you get the most efficient training program. That's how or, you know, workout session in it's how you get your pro card. It's how you continue to succeed. Yep. And, and, and all of this stuff that we've talked about, all of these practices that you've, you've learned and then worked on through over the years, they've left you in a position where you get to choose whether or not you uh, want to compete again. There's, there's no mm-hmm. deciding factor. You have the ability to choose if and when you're going to do it because you've done it in a healthy way and you've been successful with it. And you know that if you want to do it again, you could. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's great. You know, it's very empowering. <laughs> Yeah. And that's at my, at my age, I look up to Jules, right? It's 60, <laughs> right? And she's, didn't you say the other day that you might compete again or it's been a while <laughs> since you say never, you know, I, never I, say you know, never, never right? say never. You know, my biggest, imp- imp- 
obstacle is that there are not very many, there are no shows for women who are over 60. And I feel like I could do the over 50, but you know, there's a big difference between 50 and 60. And, and being able to play in the level field um, is more fun. You know, it's more competitive. Yes, I could get up there on, on the stage, but I do it like him does and I think I'm hope I'm glad that that's sort of the legacy of what bodybuilding um, and the sport, whether bikini, figure, fitness, bodybuilding, um, that you can always pursue something that's going to excite you and challenge you, yeah. whether you get on stage or not, whether it is yeah. just to keep yourself healthy, to not go down, you know, a path of maybe a family member in the past or to improve, you know, just how you feel every day and, and improve your focus at work. Um, but was there anything else you want to add, Kim, before? Search me or look me up. It's Kim Kowalski Perone is my name on Facebook. Um, so feel free to reach out to me there. And I would love to answer any questions anyone might have about competition, about leading a company, about um, kettlebell certification programs, whatever. The, if you're thinking about doing a precision nutrition certification course yourself, um, happy to answer any questions or give you any book referrals. <laughs> I, I will put a link in the description for that book because I think that people will enjoy it. The one that yeah, you shared. Definitely. It's a quick read too. It's um you can get it on Audible and um it's just a great listen. So highly recommend. Well now um, I but thank you. Yes, thank you. I think I'm gonna have to uh take a uh, take a look at this book because it may be something that I require of Team Best Fit Body members to read. <laughs> yes, let's do a Team Best Fit Body book club. I would love that. Let's <laughs> that might it. be a good one. I've had a couple we requests. We have been talking about doing a book club and we might even do a book club and then do a podcast review of the book club. So that might be cool. fun if that's something yeah. that you're interested in and maybe our listeners, because that could be fun, especially diving into some of those books that talk about mindset and, mm -hmm. and how powerful they are when you really do open them up and read a chapter and, and you can relate to it. Cause I think there's certain times in your life that you may read something and be like, Oh, that doesn't relate to me. But when you, when you read it and it relates to you and you feel it, you know that that's, that's going to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. We'll so, in the book club. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Kim, thank you so much. Um, and we'll talk to you, you guys all soon. Okay. Thank you so much. It was so great chatting with you. I really okay. appreciate it. And yeah. Kim, I will reply to your check-in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>